G'day there and welcome to Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, and so we podcast our weekly sermon. Today's sermon focuses on Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28, which say this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in the mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Today's sermon focuses on this chapter, and it's entitled A Kingdom for the Losers, looking at the upside-down kingdom of God. Well, have you ever said something to someone, and they were so shocked by the first part of what you said that they missed the rest? This happens with my son all the time. I say something like, finish your veggies, and you can have some ice cream. And what does he hear? Eat your veggies. Cue the tantrum. To be fair, I do the same thing. Zoe will say, alright, you can go and get yourself ribs and Doritos for dinner, but don't forget to get some milk. Guess who comes home with no milk? As humans, we're often so busy reacting to the first thing people say that we miss the rest. This happens twice in today's passage, as Jesus finally has some time and space to speak to his disciples. This is what Matthew tells us in chapter 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now remember that up to this point, Jesus has been trying to get some breathing space to speak with his disciples. Finally, he's alone with them at Caesarea Philippi and asks, Who do you say that I am? As Reverend Ken showed us last week, Simon confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, God's forever chosen king, coming to establish God's rule on earth. Jesus commends Simon and gives him a new name, Peter, or Rock, telling him he will build God's church upon this rock. He even tells Peter that he will give him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Things seem on the way up. Jesus is starting to speak like the king people are expecting. At this point, the disciples are wanting to hear Jesus' battle plan. Listen, fellas, we're going up to Jerusalem, and we'll gather up the elders and the chief priests, and we're going to smash the Romans and take back the kingdom. Ah! This is what Peter and his mates would have been expecting, 
But instead, Jesus tells them he's going to die and rise again. And of course, Peter only hears the death part. He takes Jesus aside and tells him off. Never, Lord, he says, this shall never happen to you. Peter's just been handed the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And like a two, good two I see, he rebukes Jesus. No, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. I won't let it. Don't speak like that. All Peter hears is death. He's missed the resurrection. And all of a sudden, he's telling Jesus what to do. But Jesus has his own sharp words for Peter. If you look at verse 23. Get behind me, Satan, says Jesus. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus has said, get behind me, Satan, before. In Matthew chapter 4, Satan, the tempter himself, visits Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is hungry and lonely, and Satan, and Satan offers him all the kingdoms of the world, if he will bow down and worship him. Thankfully, Jesus listens to the whole story. Jesus will receive all the kingdoms of the world, but from God, not from Satan. Satan's offer is conditional. I'll give you everything if you bow down and worship me. Instead of listening to just half the story, Jesus rebukes Satan there and Peter here, saying, Get behind me, Satan. Why such hard words? Why such harsh words? Well, Jesus has just told us he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things and be killed. He's also told us that he will rise from the dead, but we're too worried about suffering to notice. Jesus speaks harshly to Peter because no one, not even Peter, will distract him from his mission. From this moment on, King Jesus is going to Jerusalem for his coronation. But remember, this is the upside-down kingdom. Jesus' throne will be a cross and his crown will be made of thorns. God's upside-down kingdom is a kingdom for the losers. Peter wants Jesus to be a winner, to slaughter the Romans who, make, who had occupied his country, to make Israel great again, to make himself king with Peter as his prime minister. Jesus turns Peter's expectations of what a good ruler was supposed to be and our expectations, if we're honest, upside down. Peter is so preoccupied with what he wants that he doesn't care what God wants. Not Jesus. Jesus doesn't buy into Satan's rubbish or man's agenda. He's coming to terms with what God the Father wants and he won't be distracted from his mission. Jesus prepares to lose his life for his people. He's prepared to lose his reputation, safety and comfort in order to save us. Jesus knows the only way for us to win is for him to lose. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. After rebuking Peter, Jesus again tries to explain to his disciples how things are. Look at verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is the shape of discipleship. It's a cross shape. Now I know for us today the cross is sometimes a cute totem we wear around our necks, but for Jesus and his disciples the cross was a symbol of torture. They would have grown up watching rebels and criminals carrying crosses outside the city walls to be killed. The Roman Empire didn't invent crucifixion, but it perfected it. 
rough wooden beams lodged splinters into the backs of the victims as they hung for days gasping for air. Crucifixions were done publicly to deter anyone else from challenging the might of Rome. Jesus knows this is his fate. He's also showing the disciples that following him won't always make you, or look, make you look or feel like a winner. Fred Bruner says it like this, The kingdom of heaven is an upside-down place where the value system of this world no longer applies. It's a place where God rewards self-denial and cross-bearing. God's purpose is not to deny us life, but to give it. Jesus is not anti-our life. He is anti-our preoccupation with our life. In order to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to be prepared to lose. Hold on to what you think life is about and you will lose it. Lose your life for Jesus and he will show you what life's all about. Crucifixion was painful and it was also public. We often think of Christianity as a private and comfortable faith. It's about feeling good and not treading on toes. But if you think this way, friend, you've been sold an incomplete Jesus. You've been sold a plastic Jesus. Jesus cares much more about your holiness than about your happiness. Your eternal life is more important than your temporary comfort. Christianity is always a public faith. You don't get crucified in private. Following Jesus is always a public thing. Now, following Jesus probably won't cost you your life in 21st century Australia. While more Christians have died for their faith in the last hundred years than in the previous 1900, in Jesus we don't. In Australia, we don't face violent persecution, and I don't think God is calling us to hop on a boat and find a place to be crucified. But following Jesus may cost you time on Sunday morning, your reputation at work, that thing that you do that you know. God probably wouldn't be that into. Jesus makes no apologies for that. Pastor Tim Keller tells a story of a woman who was exploring Christianity. One day she shared with him what scared her most about Jesus. If I was saved by my good works, she said, then there would be a limit to what God could ask of me or put me through. I would be like a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty and now I would deserve a certain quality of life. But if it is really true that I'm a sinner saved by sheer grace, at God's infinite cost, then there's nothing he cannot ask of me. Friends, so many of us think that there is a limit to what Jesus can ask of us. Yes, I can make this financial commitment. Yes, I can volunteer here. Yes, I can give up an hour at Christmas and Easter. But friends, this is only half the story. The real Jesus calls up to take up our cross and follow him. The real Jesus calls us to die to ourselves. The real Jesus will turn our lives upside down. Friends, Jesus has died for you. And this means the full story is that he can and does ask everything of us. It's at this point that we need to make we need to make it clear that we can make the same mistake as the disciples and only hear half the story. Jesus isn't saying that following him is all risk and no reward. People over the centuries haven't laid their lives down for Jesus because they love suffering. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 26. 
What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Here Jesus lays out what's at stake, your soul. It doesn't matter what you win if you lose your soul. In 1988, William Post won $16.2 million on Lotto. A year later, he was $1 million in debt. His former girlfriend had sued him for a third of his winnings, and his brother had been arrested for hiring a hitman to kill him. We all know stories of super famous, rich and powerful people who gradually found that gaining the whole world left them empty inside. In Australia, we're richer than ever, but we're more anxious, overweight and addicted to painkillers than any previous generation. I believe that part of this is because we're not listening to Jesus. Why gain the world if I'm just going to lose my soul? Do we only hear half the story, friends? Do we take all of what Jesus says seriously, the confronting and harsh parts, as well as the nice parts? When we do, our hopes and dreams are turned upside down for the better. Jesus finishes the chapter by telling us about his kingdom. He says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Jesus reveals his plan. Yes, he'll be rejected and die, but he will also rise. While disciples like Judas won't make it, some will see him transfigured in Matthew 17, resurrected in Matthew 28, ascending into heaven in Acts 1, and the Spirit of God coming with power in Acts 3. All will see him on the last day when Jesus comes in his Father's glory. That's the whole story, friends. Whatever you're trying to gain in this world, you will lose. There's no point being the richest person in the cemetery. Lose everything in order to follow Jesus, and you will be vindicated along with him. One day we'll meet Jesus face to face, and he will reward us according to what we've done with the life he's given us. No matter what you win in this world, it's worthless if you ignore Jesus in the process. Nothing can match the surpassing glory of knowing Christ. Let's listen to all Jesus is saying to us today. In order to follow him, we must be prepared to lose everything. In being prepared to lose everything, we gain the surpassing glory of knowing him. Hope and life in abundance, in the here and now, and into eternity. God's upside-down kingdom is a kingdom for the losers. Jesus lost his life in order to win us back to God. Let's be prepared to take up our crosses and lose everything to gain Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.